Christ and Christ alone. There's a system that says get pleasure now and so forth. And so we see John 14 in verse 30. John 14 in verse 30. Look at, look at Jesus. He says, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold on me. The prince of this world, the Satan is the prince of this world. He's behind that thing that wants to murder babies. He's behind that thing that's trans this and um, homosexual. He's behind all that that is anti-scripture. He's behind all the philosophies that try to tell you there's 1,700 ways to heaven. He's behind all that. It's his spirit behind. He's a deceiver that confuses people and sells out. He's a liar and the father of lies. He's the prince of this world. James says, you love this world, you, you, you fighting God, amen? You can't love this world. And it's beautiful here how Jesus says these words. Prince of this world has no hold on me. Satan has a hold on people because of their fallen state, but because Jesus was sinless, Satan had no hold on him. That's why he was that perfect sacrifice. This is all prior to the cross. And Jesus saying, Satan's coming, got no hold on me. He can't move me. I'm going to Calvary as the perfect sacrifice, shedding my blood so that you and I can get set free from this world's hold too. We go backwards now, John 12, John 12. We go ahead and look at John 12, um, verse 31. John 12, verse 31. In fact, here it goes. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. Now is the time for judgment on this world, on this world system. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Next verse. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Isn't that beautiful? The cross was to be seen as a triumph, not a defeat. And though Satan thought he had won, actually, Jesus said, when I'm lifted up. Amen. But again, the prince of this world being driven out the cross defeated Satan, the cross set you and I free from, from this world hold, from this world. Look, if you would, um, they don't have it in the back, but very quickly, Galatians 6 and 14, Galatians 6 and 14. The spirit of this world, Satan is the prince behind that, the false doctrine, the deception, the defilement, the confusion that you see, that Satan's behind that. It's, it's a spiritual world, he's behind it. But the cross has defeated Satan. Because Jesus came and lived like no one else could ever live. He lived without sinning. He lived in perfect submission to the Father so he could be a perfect sacrifice. That's why we put our faith in him for salvation, not in ourselves. We're, an, we're, we're, we're a failed sacrifice. We're flawed. But Jesus was perfect in every way. Satan has no hold on him. So on that cross, he broke the power of Satan. It's a beautiful thing. That's why Paul, he writes these words here. And I, you know this is true. When you got saved, if you really got saved, Something happened between you and the world. If you got saved, yes, there's a lot of spiritual, eternal things that happened in the heavenlies, name written down in life and all that. We know that. But something happened, boom. You went to work the next day and there was a difference. You woke up the next day and certain things no longer had a hold on you. In fact, they, they grieved you a bit. Certain things that you thought were foolish, all of a sudden they were wonderful. You, you, you thought they were, you looked forward to them. So Paul writes in Galatians 6, 
in verse 14, Galatians 6 and verse 14, Paul writes, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's been a severing when you got saved that we severed ourselves from that spirit. We severed ourselves from that lifestyle. We severed ourselves from that worldview. When we got saved, we, we, we took on a new Lord and a new passion, a new desire, a, a new governor. Amen? We took it. Well, something was changed in our heart. Our affections got changed. If you were born again, so you got a new heart. Amen? Isn't that right? When your nature gets changed, your appetites get changed. Isn't that true? We say it all the time. I put dog food here, cat food here, and, and pigeon food here. And you let those animals loose, and that pigeon's going to the pigeon food. Why? There's appetite in nature. The dog's going to the dog food. So when I see people doing this or that, I can tell you haven't been born again. When you got that new creation in your heart, you got a different appetite. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Uh, Leo was a young man at one time, 25, 26 years old. Didn't go to church. Why? Didn't want to go to church. Didn't, didn't have that thing. When he got born again, he said, I can't wait to get to church. Taking my whole family to church. Used to think, ah, I got to go and sit through these services. My wife's making me sit through these services. Uh, how long are they going to sing? He got born again. He couldn't shut them up. He's praising God, shouting, singing, saying, I wish we could sing a little more. What happened? New nature. Amen. There's been a change. Been born again. Got a new appetite. See what I'm getting at? And when we got saved, Boom, severing. There was, we were severed from the world. That world no longer had a hold on us. Remember how Jesus said, hey, Satan's coming, he's got no hold on me. When we came to Christ and truly were born again, there was a, that world lost its hold on us. <sighs> Amen. How's that song go? The old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction to me. The world thinks it's nuts. They think it's, you know, hypocrite, blah, 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 blah. But to those of us that know we've been washed in that blood, been born again by that spirit, it's an attraction. It's a wonder. We shout about it. We weep over it. My God, we'll run about it. Those idiots can run over things that are vile and perverted. You and I can shout and sing that God Almighty sent his son to die on a cross and shed blood to forgive us. We were unworthy on our way to hell, but God in his mercy rescued us, and now we are sons and daughters of God, forgiven, cleansed. Woo, hallelujah. Well, there's a severing that took place. I know a lot of times people truly get saved and they can't explain it. They don't understand it the theology of it. They just know all of a sudden the things I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. And things that I used to think were foolish, I want to do them. I want more of it. I want to get, a, get me a Bible. I want to, someone teach me that Bible. I want to go to class and learn more about that. Where a year earlier you would have said, what are you crazy? Oh, I, I, I had some men, pastor, they said, my wife dragged me to church. I didn't want to go to church. I used to, uh, I used to say, Lord, um, they weren't even saved. They were praying. Amen. Say, Lord, let me get some overtime so I don't have to go to church. Hope I get some overtime. on. Let, me, let the boss call me in on Sunday so I don't got to go to church. Amen. But then when I really got saved, man, I told the boss, I'm not working any Sundays. I don't care if the plant's closing down. I want to go to church. I want, woo, hallelujah. What happened? Got new nature. Got new appetite. Isn't that right? <laughs> when you got an appetite, listen, when you got an appetite, nobody got to encourage you to eat. You put that steak in front of me, nobody got to cheer me on. Just get out of my way. 
<laughs> you might get pulled back a bloody stump, amen? Just get out of my way, isn't that right? Uh, put that lasagna on the plate and just look out. I'll take care of it from here. When you, when you have the healthy appetite, isn't that right? Nobody's about to beg us to praise God. Nobody's got to twist our arm and give us a prize to show up in God's house. Woo! Something happened on the inside. Severed from that world. Alive unto God. It's a wonderful thing to truly be saved, isn't it? There's a difference between being saved and just being religious. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. All right, we're pressing on. We're pressing on. John 17, John 17. Satan's the prince of this world. He's been defeated at that cross. And at that cross, we enjoy a victory when we come to Christ. Amen? The world, we're severing from that world. Hallelujah. But now Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's praying. He's talking about our position in the world, our position in the world. Hallelujah. Aliens and strangers in this world, aren't we? The Bible says we're alien, pilgrims, aliens, strangers. We're not to be too comfortable. Too comfortable around this slop and something wrong. Amen? Isn't that true? Sure. Sure it is. You know, just in that same way, you get that old backslider, someone don't know God, and they come into a real Holy Ghost meeting where people are shouting and saying, of course they feel out of place. They ought to feel a bit out of place. I mean, unless they're just a verge from getting saved and the Holy Ghost is already dealing with them. I mean, normally you know it. I could tell. You know, when you, when you got a name, Pleasant Grove, I've seen, not many times, I've seen once or twice someone, couples come in, and you could tell they thought it was a community church. Well, until about the second song, then they knew, uh-oh, there's no community church I've ever been in, amen? So someone got a shouting, and tongues got a flowing, and prophecies got a blasting away, and oh, man, they looked, oh, Lord, I could tell they, they weren't, no, this wasn't their brand. But praise God, when you love the Lord, and you have what's real, good Lord, whoo! Don't mind me. I'm enjoying myself. John 17. Look at John 17, please. And look at the verses. I got 11. What verse? 15 through 17. 15 through 17. Jesus uses the words of Jesus. My prayer is not that you take them out of just this natural world, this cosmos, this natural world, okay? But that you protect them from the evil one, the evil in it. Isn't that right? He wants us to be salt and light. I mean, if he wants us out of here, as soon as we got saved, he'd just kill us, take us home. No, no, he wants us, he's got a job to do here. So he says, Father, you know, you keep them there until they finish their work. Just protect them from all the evil and the influence and the tempter and all that, you see. And he, he writes here, or he prays here. This is supposed to be describing the sincere believer. Verse 16, you ready? They are not of the world, the world system. God, we don't laugh at what they laugh at. We don't, we don't gyrate to what they gyrate to. You know, we, we, don't, we don't applaud what they applaud. We don't give to what they give to. Amen. Let me make sure I got the right crowd. Jesus, this is Jesus praying. Amen. Like I said, I, I've seen people, that they, that they heard Jesus, they might tell Jesus, he don't sound like Jesus. We've gone so off base with proper Bible balance because we've gotten away from the book. We've gotten too much into the psychology, the emotional, got away from the book, got away from the book. They are not of this world. This is Jesus praying. He starts out. Now, I'll tell you what. Anybody believe that Jesus had power in prayer? I believe he did. 
So verse 15 ought to excite every true believer. Because I believe when Jesus prayed, he got answered. Amen? And he prayed for you and I that God would not take us out, but that God would protect us from the evil. Woo! That feels good. I am protected. You are protected. You, 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 can, you can live in that place where they're all backslidden, and you can stay pure. Amen? You, you can be in a, a situation where those around you don't love God. If you're in the will of God, you can stay pure. Hallelujah! And you can live righteous in a crooked world. Glory to God. Why? Jesus prayed. And he gets answers when he prays. We do our best, but he always gets an answer. Amen? All right, verse 15. Now we're going to 16. They're not of the world. He's describing you and I. Does this describe you? If you're watching this at home, does this describe you? If it doesn't, you need to get saved. You need to come back to Christ. If you love that world and, and their, their, their music and their value system, then you need to get right with God. They are not, his people are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Wow. Wow. Jesus was pure, wasn't he? We should be pure. Jesus walked in righteousness, didn't he? We should walk in righteousness. Here we go. Verse 17. He's praying for you and I. Sanctify them. Set us apart. Christians ought to be different. Amen? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's why it's so important to read the Bible and study the Bible and live by the Bible. The Bible and the Holy Spirit work together to help you and I live this life. And we're to live it set apart from this world, different than the world. Being like Jesus in this world. That was his prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's press on. Let's press on. Now, you know, the Bible says, we all know this verse, you, you can't serve that right? You can't serve two masters. Your affections and loyalty got to go to one person. So let's study now. Gradually, if we do not live that surrendered life and we begin to get wooed by the world, gradually we begin to slip away. It's a gradual thing. Like erosion. Amen? Erosion is something. You know, you, you could look at a, um, a coastline and Go back next year and you don't see much difference. Go back to follow, don't, don't, but now if they give you a 50-year you know, time thing, you could look, wow, didn't realize the erosion. Because it's so gradual. And that's what happens to people spiritually. Then they wake up and they're so far. They're so far. Let's look at some verses. Now, we, we started out with James 4 and, and, and 4, where it talks about friendship with the world. But let's go one before that. James 1 and um, 27. James 1 and 27. When we gradually get submerged into the world, we begin to lose our first love. All right? The Bible warns us, doesn't it? And then we can lose our spiritual sensitivity. You remember at one time, sometimes people were so sensitive to the things of God. Then gradually they became more callous until they came to the point where they're not even moved. You know what I mean? They're not even moved. And, and again, um, they, they lose their first love. They lose their spiritual sensitivity. They lose their passion and fire. Amen? Proverbs says one of the saddest things in all the world is a married woman that's not loved. Whew. Wow. That's in the book. Isn't that something? Christians begin to lose their love for Christ. 
lose their passion for Christ, lose their fire for Christ. Heaven groans, heaven groans, heaven groans, heaven groans. But it starts out when we begin to allow the world to seduce us and deceive us and to somehow start getting inroads in our affection. Got to guard your heart. Got to guard your heart. Amen? The affections. It's so easy. James 1 and 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. Look after the orphans and widows in their distress. Isn't that beautiful? So there's one part about the the service, right? Service. Isn't that right? Service. Service. Serving others. Seeing the fruit of a life that's been changed. All right? Looking after orphans and keeping oneself. Here's the spiritual part. Separation and service. Separation. Keeping oneself from being polluted or maybe spotted. Spotted by the world. Contaminated by the world. Don't let the world contaminate you. You know, sometimes you got to detox yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Um, as a young guy, um, in between college semesters, working in a lot of the factories. You know, Dad's factory would hire college students and make good money there, and, you know, in the gun factory. Then one time, another factory, you know, before in between college semesters, good money. But I remember coming home, I'd get on my knees and say, Lord, before I take a natural shower, i got to take a spiritual shower. And that's one of the most vile, you know, places. <laughs> Not exactly a Sunday school choir working in those factories, folks. I mean... Oh, it was, they didn't have no rules back then. Pictures, I mean, it was just, a, it was just an ungodly place. And I come home and say, Lord, before I take a shower, you know, you mean here, you got grease all over. I said, I need a spiritual shower. Lord, just cleanse my brain and cleanse everything I had to hear and everything. You got to do this to live in this world, amen? I know it gets a little easier when we get retired or we get out of there, but when you're working around it day in and day out, I mean, normal language is blank this and blank that and everything's vile, but they're vile, man, you got to, you got to look out. You got to look out. Isn't that right? Practice that spiritual hygiene. And so, again, keep, one, keep oneself. Who does the keeping? I got to keep myself from being spotted or polluted by the world. So I got to watch what I get around. And then when I can't help it, you got to go to work. You, you got to go to the store. I got to learn how to take spiritual baths. Isn't that right? Lord, wash me. Lord, cleanse me. Keep that junk. You got it in my brain. I listen to that junk. You know, you try not to listen to it. You got to listen to it. Lord, help it. Get it out of my brain. So, so number one, I don't want to get contaminated by the world. The, the world, again, I get polluted. I start getting influenced by the world. Before you know it, I'm laughing at something I shouldn't laugh at. Or I'm bebopping to something I shouldn't be bopping to. Amen? You know, all of a sudden you're starting to, all right, number one, number one, I don't want to get contaminated by the world, but secondly, because if I get contaminated, influenced by it, I might start getting friendly towards it. What was James 4 and 4? That was in our text, wasn't it? Friendship with the world. You see, I started, it starts appealing a little bit more than it should. Old, old appetites start waking up. Old, are you with me? This is, how this, this is how this thing works. You get too fond of things that should have been dead and buried. Amen? It's a fight to the very end, friends. It's a fight to the very end. Dying daily, crucifying that old Nick daily. It's a fight to the very end. Amen? That's all right. We're all fighting. Everyone, we live in this ugly world. Isn't that true? I mean, Lord have mercy. 
I mean, these young men that got to live in such a crazy world, I mean, it's, it's nuts. You know, you got to watch yourself. All right, we're going to go from there. Just listen, if I get contaminated by it, and it begins to influence my thinking, my speaking, my emotions, I start to get friendly towards it. If I start getting too friendly, I might start to love. First John, first John, let's go to first John, our verse. I might start to love the world and love that system. And now those things are awakened again. Amen. And those things. Do not love the world. This is first John. Do not love the world or anything in the world, that system out there. If anyone loves the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. Am I reading your Bible? Am I reading the right Bible? I am reading the Bible, aren't I? I just want to make sure. <laughs> I think some of these verses people might not have read. For everything in the world, that system, right? That fallen system, that fallen nature, everything in the world, cravings of the sinful. That sinful man's got cravings. Don't look so sanctified. We're all made out of the same junk. Thank you. Thank you, brother. That's good to have an honest saint in the house. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Sure, yeah, he's got cravings. You just call me ugly. You watch what rises up. Isn't that right? Uh, feeling so sanctified. And then all of a sudden, saying, hey, where'd that guy come from? He's down in there. I got to put him back down where, he, you know. For everything in the world, the cravings of the simple man, the lust of the eyes. Woo! You care for little eyes. I'm telling you, I saw a poster where there used to be a book, Everything I Needed for Life I Learned in Kindergarten. When I, I read that one time, I saw that, and I said, you know what? Everything I Needed for Life I Learned in Sunday School. I'm telling you, I can go back to first, second, third grade, and if I can tell you the things they taught me, it'll last my lifetime. I learned God was big, and Jesus died for my sins, and I'm going to live forever with him and face him. I learned, they had the pictures, black, white, yellow, that I love all people. God loves all people. I can remember that. Remember the posters they'd have? You learned it in Sunday school, didn't you? The Bible stories. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. But here it is. Here it is. The lust of the eyes. Got to guard those eyes. Amen? Got to discipline those eyes. God has set healthy borders and boundaries for those eyes. We're, we're going to finish up Lord Will and Samson on Sunday. If Samson would have put some boundaries and borders... He might not have lost his natural eyes. You know? <laughs> um, the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does. Proud. Amen? I, I, I like sports. I, always, I grew up, we all played sports. But man, some, they're so arrogant sometimes. They're so arrogant. They're just so arrogant. <laughs> God's not intimidated by any, I mean, God's not moved by any of it. Amen? but the boasting of what he has and does. Glory to me, I mean God, you know. Those things come not from the Father, but where? From the world. And if you're a friend with that world, you're an enemy of, wow. And it's a choice, James said. Okay. All right, let's keep going. That, that love, that strong affection. If I get that strong affection, I'll start to, Become like the world. I'll be conformed to the world. Romans 12, Romans 12. Hallelujah. Conformed, pressed into the image of the... Here we go. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and this is Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your reasonable service. You see how it starts off with, therefore, those, all those first, those 11 verses, the greatness of God in salvation, the mercy and compassion, Jesus taking our judgment, that atoning sacrifice, it goes chapter upon chapter about how you and I were unworthy. You and I demanded judgment, but God and his mercy sent Jesus. He took the judgment. He took the wrath of a holy God on himself for you and for me. And it's awesome that Romans is the greatest book ever written. And then it stops, therefore. The only reasonable response any true Christian can have to those first 11 chapters is, i got to give God my all. i got to offer God my entire being. Amen. There's nothing else to do but say, here I am, Lord. You've done so much for me. You've been full of so much mercy and grace. Oh, you've, Jesus, you are so... Verse 2 says, after I give him, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to tell and test the good, perfect will of God. It says, don't be conformed into it. So that you start acting and thinking like the world does. Don't be pressed into its mold and talk like they do, and have their values like they do. Conforming an outside pressure, an outside influence that attempts to shape us, our values, and our priorities. And, and so you see how the world tries to, again, you know, when you make those Christmas cookies and you have the molds and you press it into the mold, that's the word, conformed. The world tries to, I'm going to shape your thinking. Outside pressure. Do this to come. The Bible works different. Not pressure from the outside, transformation from the inside, right? Be transformed. The world's going to try to press you into its mold. Dress like we think is the good way to dress. Act like we have our moral standard, have our value. Press. But God says, my spirit comes inside you. Now I'm going to begin to transform you. By my spirit, I'm going to renew your thinking. You're not going to think like you used to think. You're not going to evaluate things like you used to evaluate things. I'm going to transform you so you'll think like God and value things like God. And you'll love the things God loves. And you'll reject the things that God rejects. We don't want to be conformed to the world. Amen? We act like they do and sound like they do. And we respond to life like they do. Because here's a great danger. Here's a great danger. If I allow myself to be contaminated by the world, if I allow that junk, and you can't avoid it all, that's why you've got to draw near to God, and that's the washing of the word working you. Amen? That's why when you miss it, you've got to be quick, say, Lord, forgive me. The Bible, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Amen? So I, I'm going to confess them. I'm not going to try to conceal them or deny them. I'm going to be honest and say, Lord, I blew it. I was impatient or I, I was short. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And we want to be quick with that. Because number one, if I allow this world to be spotted by the world, amen, 
Then I become a friend of the world. I begin to let that stuff work in me. All right, I, I got contaminated. I breathed in the virus. I got contaminated. And now that I'm contaminated, it begins to work in me. Mm. And I don't want it to work in me where I start looking at the world friendly, lovingly, instead of resisting it and rejecting it and seeing it through God's eyes. So I'm contaminated. Then I become a friend. Next thing I know, I'm loving the world. Start loving the world. Before you know it, you've been conformed to the world. Might have your name on a church book, but you live like someone that never met God. You handle life's problems like someone that never met You're conformed to the image of the world. Because the danger is if you allow that to happen, it's a possibility that you might next get condemned with the world. If you allow yourself to be conformed to the world, loving the world, which is being hatred towards God, you put yourselves in real danger of being condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians 11. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11. Talk about that world. Amen? Do you know there were some people in the early church that were dying prematurely? And, and Paul says one of the reasons they died prematurely is the act of God's mercy taking them home while they're still going to make it to heaven. This is they keep going along those lines, they're not going to make it. You know this in the book? Come on, we'll look at it. Come on, 1 Corinthians. Aren't you glad you brought your Bible to Bible study? Amen. 1 Corinthians 11. Hallelujah. Oh, without, hey, I'm not saying everyone does, but more people than we like to believe die prematurely. It's an act of God's mercy taking them to heaven. Hey, I'd rather die. I'd rather die prematurely.